When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. We are back in full force beginning today on Thursday, August 4th, and I'm here with Pete Sampson and Tim O'Malley, and like most preseasons, there has to be a little bit of controversy with Notre Dame football, and this one, I mean, I think for us, generally kind of came out of the blue. I think when you look back at Elise Jones' tweets, maybe over the summer, there might have been a little bit of a foreshadowing, but... Elise Jones is academically ineligible for the 2016 season. He will remain in school. He seems very positive about returning to Notre Dame, but Notre Dame is down a man at the receiver positions. Yeah, it's a big one, um, literally, because they don't have another six foot five, two hundred forty four pound athlete who can run like a wide receiver, but looks like a tight end. Very few teams have one to begin with. Um, Notre Dame was fortunate enough to be one of those teams, so. It's like whether you whether Notre Dame is losing a tight end or whether Notre Dame is losing a wide receiver, however you want to frame it, I think what they're losing is, oh, crap, it's third and eight, nobody's open. Yeah. Who are we going to throw the ball to? Oh, just chuck it to Alizé Jones. He'll make a play. Um, they don't have a bailout player on offense to me right now, and maybe the bailout player is Malik Zay or Deshaun Kaiser ultimately, but at the skill positions, that's what you're losing it's a it's just a huge huge loss. I mean, they have they have 43 receptions coming back from last year. A year ago they had 233 receptions coming back. So he had like 13 of those receptions yeah, about, 13, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's, so that's how they get to the 43. Okay, okay. Um you know, pretty much every year they've had 100 plus receptions returning. So now to have 43 uh by far the low point, 61 was the previous in 2014 when Devaris got suspended. So it's just it's just a big blow. I mean, there's no other way around it. There's not a next man in like for like swap here. I think you nailed it though. They they lost their matchup advantage. That's you put him outside against a smaller corner, and, and I really like the idea of him detached with linebackers and safeties. I think that's a mismatch. He was probably their best W, and he's definitely their best detached tight end. So what they do is Boykin steps up. Now we all like Boykin, but he's probably, this is probably accelerating. They have to ask him to accelerate his progress, and now they're. Detached tight end going along with Smythe as Wisher, who we like, but he's nowhere near as explosive as Elizabeth right. Jones. So it, it's a drop-off, and especially the matchup advantage. They, it's a weird one. They had it, and now they don't. You have to, I mean, with with Elizabeth Jones on the field, you have to account for him. Yeah, I mean, right. obviously you have to account for everybody, but that, that's a guy because of the matchup issues that, that he creates. And this thing, I mean, it creates a domino effect at two positions. There's no doubt about it. And and certainly, Pete, you mentioned in the, in the quick write-up you did uh on Wednesday night that, you know, Tyler Lewis too. Oh, wow, that's pretty important that he came back. Not that they're not that they would play the same role, but it's another Step body. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. another body at that position. I think it makes uh, Jacob Matuska I'm mispronouncing that. Jacob Matuska uh, um a, a more prominent, a, a potentially more prominent member of the tight end core. I mean, I, I you know, I think that he's athletic enough to be a blocker. Again, he's not going to be a pass catcher. Yeah. He's not going to fill that gap. And then, as you mentioned at the at the W receiver, Boykin has to step up. 
first and foremost, Equinemius St. Yeah. Brown has yeah. to step up and stay healthy. Yeah, and I mean, these are all guys who have not really done anything in their careers. Um, and, I mean, Durham Smythe included, frankly, because... He, he could have a breakout year. I mean, sure. I, 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 mean I still... Well, yeah, I, yeah, somebody better. Somebody's going to have 50 catches from yeah. this group because... Besides, it, besides unless, Hunter. Yeah, because Notre Dame is not going to run the ball 872 times. Yeah. You know, just by default, somebody is going to have a breakout year from that group. I mean, Will Fuller... I mean, that's you, the, Will in Fuller 2014, they only had those 16, <laughs> yeah. 61 receptions coming back, and then Will Fuller comes in and has 15 touchdowns. I think you have to go into this thinking, all right, we need to emphasize. We, we, not, we not only need to get Durham Smythe involved, we need to emphasize him a little bit. You know, I mean, hey, that's a four-star guy coming out of high school. That's still a very talented football player. He obviously has to stay healthy as well. I think now Durham Smythe is probably your, your safe bet to be your second-leading receiver this yeah. year. I think we could sum up the loss of Alizé Jones with, we just let off our pre-camp podcast in the first segment talking about Matuska, Luatua, Equinemius St. Well, Brown, and Boykin. I, no, because yeah. they're all relevant now. Right. And they weren't. There's right. no way that that would be what we're talking about right now. And now those guys all have to be you know, and I know that I know that there's a lot of, uh, I think people love the name of Equinemius St. Brown. I think that can <laughs> Tributes to the, a lot to, love. to the yeah, there is. It's amazing, an amazing name. Uh, you know, and, and he look, he, he's a he's a heck of a prospect, but he's got to stay on the field. He's got to stay healthy. He hasn't done. Who, who was it, Pete? I texted you yesterday. Stuart Mandel said that Equinemius St. No. Brown leads a young receiving core. Yeah, with one career catch. Yeah, well, um, I mean it, that ties C.J. Sanders <laughs> for the lead in that class. Um, at least he scored a touchdown, even yeah. if it was off a block. That punt. was a great play. So, yeah, it just it's going to be – I don't know. And there was a question on the board about this. Kind of, I'm not sure how you guys feel. Does the loss of Alizé Jones – I think ultimately the answer is no. But does the loss of Alizé Jones affect how the quarterback position is run? Because do you need to be even more run first now? Does that get you more to Malik Zaire than Deshaun Kaiser in any way? I just think the the passing plays aren't as impressive. I mean, the, the end of passing plays aren't as impressive. They're still – they're going to target Alizé Jones – 60 times, and now yeah. that'll be go to if, two other guys. I mean, you know, if, Boykin, if, if Boykin and St. Brown step up and evolve, yeah, I mean, you know, but Boykin hasn't played yet. Uh, and he's, he has great size, so you'd like to think that that's a guy that you can just throw the ball up to, when, you know, when you need to. But they obviously didn't come out of the spring thinking that about him, whereas they did with Alizé Jones. And you probably were going to get four years out of Alizé Jones on the football field because it's hard to, you know, this now you're not at all. He, it's hard to go pro as a detached Junior tight end hybrid wide receiver. Maybe right. he would have, but I mean that's not. A you definite. weren't going. You weren't going to get four full years of eligibility. No, so now, anyway. and, but I think this is a bad one to be missing. This is a, he could have really blossomed yeah. this year. Yeah, yeah. This, yeah. Was, this was the big jump up for him, and now that's not going to happen. I mean, I did a list the other weekend about the five guys I want to see first uh, on Saturday. Alizé Jones was like number two behind right. Dalen. Better, better check in on those other guys, right? Yeah. Now. <laughs> is, there any, is there any news on Dalen Hayes? Um, so now. What do we want to see first on Saturday at Culver? To me, it's like, what's the lineup uh, for that first tempo drill? Is it Stefferson and Hunter? Is it St. Brown and Hunter? You know, how is Sanders over Holmes? I know Brian Kelly told you, O'Malley, that Sanders is all the way healthy. I'm a little skeptical of that um, based on some of the things I've heard. So, Based upon his track record of evaluating injuries? Right. Be, and a, a little bit beyond that, even. So we'll. Uh, that's what I, I want to see. Who are the skill guys out first? I think there really are not going to be a whole lot of other surprises. Um, but yeah, who are the skill guys out first? And is Dalen Hayes mixing with the ones? Is he mixing with the twos? Is he mixing with the threes? Those are, I think, the two things I want. to You know, see we didn't most. think we didn't 
at the time when Corey Robinson retired, we didn't put a lot of a, a huge amount of right. value on that, but. It takes on even it does greater now, importance Corey now. Corey Robinson would be the starting W. Absolutely. Without a question. Absolutely. Not only in name, he would have clearly been the number one well, returning player. Who has the most to prove in camp? I, I, I kind of look at this team. When I look at offense and defense, it's almost like who doesn't have yeah. a lot to prove? It's a young, it's a, an experienced team because they lost so much talent from last year. So there's a lot of guys with, I mean... McGlinchey and Nelson don't. How's that? <laughs> well, McGlinchey does from a standpoint. Yeah, yeah. yeah Rochelle does certainly doesn't. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, it's interesting you say that because other than Rochelle, who doesn't have a lot to prove on defense? Right. I mean, it's really, it's yeah, really Cole everybody. Luke has to be better because he was better as a right, sophomore than he right. was as a junior. Wallu, I guess. Yeah, but yeah, he's got to be dramatically better. He's got to have. He's got to be a playmaker and a presence on the field, and he hasn't been that up to that. He could be, but he hasn't been. You know, up to this point, it's, it's a young, hey, it's a young team. And McGlinchey I mean, has to move to left tackle, yeah, so he has true. something to prove I, there too. I think we have a little faith in him. Yeah, yeah, he has sure. a decent track record of taking a yeah. right tackle, yeah, and moving to left tackle, and then whoa, it's a first round pick. <laughs> I mean, that's probably going to happen there too. Just a matter of this year or last year, but yeah, it's. A, I mean, it's going to be a fascinating thing to watch on Saturday. I mean, and and it's so weird. What do we want to see on Saturday? We listed probably a dozen things. Kaiser's that year. I mean, whatever. Yeah, it's like, oh, we won't learn anything about them on Saturday. Yeah, it's, it's just an like, alternating. That that's Kaiser will take the first snap and Zaire will the next day. In yeah. some ways, it's the least interesting yeah. of Notre Dame's training camp storylines. Uh, which I don't know if that says more about how good those two quarterbacks are, or more about how really up in the air everything else is. I'm gonna say about 16 days from now that becomes a pretty interesting storyline when there's an announcement made. Oh so. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think mean, mean, Saturday's more interesting not because of who aligns where and who yeah. comes out first, but just how somebody moving, you know, in one-on-one situations, who wins wins that battle. Yeah, they have important injured guys that should be all the way back. Now we're talking about C.J. Sanders, but like Jerron Jones should be all the way back. Tranquil. And, Mar- I, I don't. You know, I'm, you know, I don't know. Martini Olsen. hasn't been cleared that long. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure that you can say a hundred percent. I don't know that he's had enough, and he's key. I mean, I think we yes. all agree that could be a starter. That Greer Martini could be a starter and probably needs to be a starter when you consider all that has to be proven among I think the guys. He's healthy, he starts, don't you? At the weak side. My only not healthy, my only reservation is that I don't uh, that I don't think. Brian Van Gorder is inclined to go that way, and I say that just from um, just opinions. You mean he can back up every position, so that might be the value. Yeah, and he's more of a situational yeah. guy against option. I, I personally don't agree with that, but I don't coach him every day. He does, and I'm not saying that Brian Van Gorder's wrong on this. But I, I, Martini's experience and intelligence and size and underrated athleticism, I think, needs to be on the field for that defense. Yeah, and particularly with the dynamics of how Notre Dame's linebackers are right now. You know, if it was Joe Schmidt and Jalen Smith, right. we probably wouldn't right. feel that way. Right, But it's not Snyles Morgan and... Tavon Coney, I would assume. Yeah. I, yeah, you know, yeah. but I, I don't think it... You know, I've seen some preseason list that has as, had Asmar Bilal listed as the number one That's guy because of where he played spring. in the spring. Yeah. But I really don't think that he is above third, third string... Uh, not if those well, two are healthy. Not no. if those are healthy. Yeah, I think Mike Elston would agree with you on that yeah. one. So. <laughs> All right, well, that's it for segment one on Irish Illustrated Insider. We've got some really good questions today, so segment two will jump into all that next on the podcast. Welcome back to segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider, burning up the boards. Our first question comes from Port ND. 
I like this as an overview question. In your opinions, during the Kelly era, what has surprised you the most in a good way and also in a negative way? It, it was a hmm, that was it was an interesting question. I thought that um, surprise in a good way. I think that the recruiting aspect has surprised me in a good way because <clears throat> I think they've been fairly efficient in that, and that was a big question of mine when he got here because it was like, okay, that's great that you got recruited Toledo and. Uh, you know, Miami, yeah. Ohio, but um, to come in here and deal with Florida State, Florida and Texas and, and USC, I, that's been a real positive surprise for me. The other one would be the amount, and, and this is a, in retrospect, the amount of games he's won here with horrible quarterback play um, has been a surprise. <laughs> and then I think on a, in a negative sense, I think I've been have horrible su- quarterbacks. Yeah. <laughs> surprised how... Um, kind of closed off things are with uh, access to assistant coaches. You know, we have a few less player interviews. He's much more of like a Bill Belichick one voice type guy than I think people realize because he's nice and outgoing mm-hmm. and funny. Because um, I think when he got here, it was like, oh, yeah, it's going to be open and all this stuff. And, it, and that that surprised me um, that he sort of like shut things down pretty quickly once again. I guess I'm not... I'm not sure how much of that he dictated from the outset. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I didn't. I didn't feel like from the beginning that it was him saying, "No, it's it's closed down." I think, and then it's kind of evolved into that's an accepted part of it. I, I don't care. Whatever. We we all get the same amount of access. I, I guess I'm a little bit. I thought the depth last year. Obviously, they don't win ten games without great depth last year. That's as good a depth as I've seen. Since the Holtz era, I guess I was a little surprised at that. I my other surprises are are more negative. I, I'm surprised it took until his fifth year to average thirty points a game. He's done it two years in a row now. I'm surprised that you know they lost games tactically yeah, to the, Tulsa mm-hmm. and really to Navy to to a large extent because they didn't know how to defend the option. And then the slow starts, which you emphasized last year. I mean, some of the slow starts. Maybe the one one that really surprised me was 2011 when they had USC at home at night, and you really think the crescendo, the buildup for that, and they were awful. They were totally unprepared to play. Maybe Dane Chris. It was a program face plant that night. Yeah, no program. doubt that it was so disappointing and in, in early and in, and that's ancient history yeah, now. Yeah. But uh, I guess I'm not surprised at the defense struggling because that's kind of a byproduct of spread offense teams. Yeah, but I, I mean, overall, for six years, the defense has been good. You know, it's not been good the last two, but well, that, I think you'd have to look. It was big, good the first four. Big picture. Yeah, yeah. There was the a great... fact that he was because I mean, it's not like his defenses in Cincinnati were great. Um, the fact that he was able to create really good defense here for probably ha- what do you say? Would be fair to say half. Well, uh, uh, three, final four three games. of the three of the four years that that yeah. uh, Diaco was here. Three, yeah, and you know the very end of 2010, and then the next three yeah. years they play good defense. Yeah, I, you know that that's a that's a Ben, but don't break. Keep the football in front of you. That's smart though. It, well, it's good, it's good in college. In, no, in college, I mean, it's no, so there's smart. No, you there's make no a doubt about. It. Yeah, you're a more sound tackling yeah. team. There's no doubt about it, and and uh, you know that's why. Diaco's been missed. It was a fundamentally sound defense. People went crazy in his fourth year when they gave you know gave up a little bit of yardage, but they were so good in the first three, especially in 2012. Um, I guess I just you know if if Van Gorder had started out and they had struggled right at the start of the Kelly era in Notre Dame, I would have said, well, that's not surprising yeah. because it's a 
you know, byproduct of being you know, a spread team. I think when you, it's looking back, like hearing you guys brought up all the good points about what you're surprised with, but I would I would go with pleasant surprise. I don't think when Brian Kelly's first year ended, and especially didn't think 15 games into his tenure when he was eight and seven after the loss to Michigan, that they'd play for the national championship at Notre Dame anytime soon. I know you can't rest no. your whole career on that, but they went 12 and 0, were number one. Yeah, you can get I five mean, or six years out of it. It had been a really long time since Notre Dame yeah. was twelve and zero at number one. I was pleasantly surprised by that. I'd I say mean, they caught you know every every break. Yeah, they but, caught every break they could in route to that. But sure, that's what sure. that's what happens when it you go twelve yeah, and zero. Unless you're a totally dominant right. team, you have to catch breaks. Yeah. I mean, it's, Clemson caught a few last yeah, year. Yeah, it's, we saw some of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you know disappointing. I, I this is also ancient history. The tactical losses to teams you shouldn't lose to is weird. I'm, I'm not even including like the, the Clemson thing because that's just two really good teams playing. They made a, we judge a mistake and they lost, but. Tulsa and Navy, Northwestern. There's some weird things that shouldn't exist mixed in there, you yeah. know? But those are nitpicking things. I think the number one overriding thing that matters now, it doesn't matter that they lost to Tulsa at all right now, is that the red zone offense has never been what it was that's, in Cincinnati. And there's no reason it shouldn't be. because How about injuries playing a significant role basically each of the last three yeah. years? Now, again, they had enough depth last year to compensate for that. But, I mean, they have, at the end of the year... They have no one left for Stanford and USC don't. at the end well, of the year. Well, that's why, that's why the Northwestern-Louisville <laughs> games of 2014 yeah. were a disaster. They didn't have anybody left. CPU15 asks, how do you see the linebacker position playing out? Will this be another year of hearing about the complexity of Brian Van Gorder's system with the young guys? Uh, no, as long as the starting lineup is Martini, Morgan, and Onwalu. I think those two things have to go together. And I don't like to compare them to last year because we're going to find out what Jalen Smith did to compensate for everybody else last year. But I like those three as a starting linebacking core. Yep. Assuming Morgan's as good as we think he will be this year, and we don't go, we're not going crazy on Morgan. I just think Morgan will have a good year. He's going to be better than Joe Schmidt was last year. No, I think I, he has to be better I, than that. I hope he's as good as Joe Schmidt was uh, when Joe Schmidt was playing his best football those first eight games of 2014. That'd be great. I think the perception of those linebackers will be altered if – if Tillery and Jerron Jones and, yeah, and right. Daniel Cage do not do a good job. I've, we've talked about that in the past. As far as how do we see the linebacker position playing out, I mean, we named who we'd like to see, but we really don't know. I mean, going into this, we're not positive about Coney's health at this point. I think it's the one time where the old Kelly Diaco thing, we need them all. I think Coney and Martini are both going to play plenty if they're both healthy. I don't think it's going to be Martini taking 70 snaps at weak side linebacker. Like, you want a, a, like a Fox Calabrese right, type right. thing? Right, get him in there enough. Um, I think Bilal will start off as a special teams guy this which year. Is fine, which is great. It's a great looking really guy. That's <laughs> better than throwing in your, your freshman walk-on. So there's, right. <laughs> yeah, that's a great role for him. ND615, this was like my favorite question of the year for our podcast. If you could pick a perfect Kelly team by taking a single year's unit for each of the seven main position groups, how would you construct the team? We could do a whole podcast on this question. This is great. <laughs> Go for it, because you probably have a book there. Now, if you're counting, you've got to count backups, right, for a couple of these positions. So, 2016 quarterback. Yeah, clearly. Yes. Yeah, and I think That's 2015 right. offensive line. Yep, That's until we're proven differently. Uh, tight end, there is no doubt about it. 2012 with Tyler Eifert, Troy Nicholas, and Ben Koyak as your third guy. That's not even That's close. What I had. Uh, I think last year's wide receivers. That's what I, had. I would go with running back. As I, you know, last year's the obvious choice. But if you could just give me him not getting hurt, I'll take Jonas Gray and Sierra Wood as my two guys. Yeah, in an eleven. That's what I had. And as well. I, last year would be your other one, right? Because obviously yeah. they had quite the depth. 2012, everybody that's ever watched Notre Dame knows the defensive line. 
is the one pick. The yeah. reason they played in the national championship yeah. game with four guys, just I count what about what And what about linebacker and DB? See, here's where it's tough. Well, DB, I actually think this is going to be a forgotten one, kind of. I think that 2010 DBs were good when you had uh, Walls, good Gary Gray, and really good Robert Blanton. The key and is Harrison, good Gary Gray. And Harrison Smith yeah. was awesome that year. Yeah. And Zeke was fine. And Slaughter played a little. You know, Slaughter got hurt, but he was he yeah. was the starter until he got hurt. Morris was the starting safety then. Oh. So I like those old DBs better than any of the new ones. So that's my DBs. Linebacker, I mean, do you just take Manti's senior year? Because he has the Manti Teo. It's not last year because it's not. Last year, I'm sorry, I don't want to speak ill of the dead. But it's not last no, year. No, I never said that. <laughs> so. I, I, I went 2014. for Because Joe Schmidt this, played so well. Joe Schmidt played well. Jalen Smith actually yeah. got to rush the passer. Yeah. Well, um, that seems like a bad idea, though. So there's... <laughs> yeah. Um, I just... I think Jalen Smith was turned loose in a better way. Joe Schmidt was great. Um... That's Ottawa was a surprising, pleasant surprise. Yeah, first year so I had guy. 2014 for the linebackers, and then special teams I have this year. I think this year will be the best group. Yeah. Just so you have Newsom, Goon, Sanders. And last year was good in that regard. And last too. year was fine yeah. as well. So I think they'll be even better this year. So yeah, we're pretty much at, we have reached consensus yeah. on this one. I think we need to bring back Blanton yeah. and Slaughter. We're good. Now, Tim Priester, do you have any <laughs> no, I, I outliers of this group? No, I, you know, I mean, I thought I thought when, before Danny Spawn was it was injured that uh, hit that that one year that he played full time. I thought that With that Manta. was, a, that yeah, was a good, yeah, yeah. I thought that was a that he I thought Danny Spawn had a really really underrated year because he totally held the point of attack. You couldn't get on. You couldn't get. You know, around the edge with him out there. Then when he got hurt, um, you know that was a huge loss for him. But I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't disagree with with anything else. Uh, Jay Scleric asks if you were a Vegas bookie, which we are in our other jobs, actually. <laughs> what odds would you give on Max Redfield finally putting it all together this year? Fifty-fifty. Two to one. No, uh, I think Redfield. Now, now oh, let's wait, put it this way: How putting it that? all the p- quote. Putting it all together this year. So, mid-round draft pick. Okay. That's what we're going to go with putting it all together. He he plays himself into a fourth-round pick. So, like, Zeke Mata? Yes. Maybe not. The defense isn't going to be that good. Zeke Mata would be fine. A Zeke Mata senior year. Mata was third round, fourth round? I think it was was second round. Oh, huh? Taking stats out of it, how good the defense was with him back there. Just remove that because that's not happening again. They're not going to give up 12 points a game. I don't think he'll be as good as Zeke Mata was in 2012. Well, but you got to give you got to give us some numbers, man. <laughs> Come on, we're bookies. Yeah, sorry. Zeke Mata was uh, a seventh round. Draft seventh player. round. Okay. I think he could be drafted in the seventh round. That doesn't mean he'll be as good of a college safety as Zeke Mata was. They didn't give up a touchdown over 25 yards in 12 games. <laughs> I'd say <laughs> my my odds would be four to one. Four to one. I was gonna say three to one, but yeah, I guess, yeah. yeah, I. I, I but I, you'd be like ten to one. No, yeah, I'm like I'm like eight to one. Okay. Well, yeah, okay. I, because I mean. He, <laughs> Here's the. It, it's not it with Max Redfield. It's more than understanding the game. It's he doesn't have great football instincts. He doesn't have great ball skills. I mean, these are just these are things that aren't they aren't they're they're going to change. That's part of yeah. who he is. So it's more than just understanding the game and the defense. And and I don't I don't think that he has the net. He's a great athlete. Uh, looks great in a football uniform. 
I don't think that he has very good football instincts, and I don't know how you change football instincts, especially at this stage of his career. Do you think he'll hold down the starting job? I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I don't know. Let's. Uh, I know he'll start. We don't. Start I, I, I don't have an opinion on everything. That's one right. that I'm leaving. <laughs> <it all. laughs> You're leave that. I, you I, might I be able to talk. That. You might be able to talk about that after open practice yeah, number five. Yeah, right? I, I, I could form a real strong opinion yeah. very quickly on on uh, as soon as Saturday, but. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know. We'll see. They need him, you know. They so do. That's why I kind of give him the three to one. I right. think he could be dialed in more. And I don't know if that means even in the situation. But uh, I, 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 I mean, could, I don't think it be dialed in. I think it requires more than just being dialed in. Yeah. Yeah, a lot more. All right. Talk 2000. If Drew Tranquil stays healthy this year, what level of play do you expect from him in strong safety? Great and run support. Great playmaker for going forward, sideways, and other teams getting by him. In the passing game, off the hash, because I know it was the spring and he wasn't totally healthy, but, I mean, just, you'd see guys like Chris Finke run by him. with And Chris Finke might be running by everybody by the time his career's over. <laughs> Pete. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I don't think he can, I don't think he's going to be that, it's hard to cover in, in his situation. Two blown I, out knees, and he's not a normal cover guy anyway. No, he's not. Situation. I mean, I think he's the kind of guy you want on the field for, oh, for you, right? I, yeah, I mean, you, 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 got, you he's want, good with the bad for sure. I mean, you, you want him on, and, and maybe you, maybe you, you know, Brian Van Gorder has to be a little bit more creative in certain passing yes. situations where you don't put him on an island and he gets caught into some bad situations. We know that the closer the line of scrimmage is, the better. So if you can maximize those skills, you can minimize the big play mistakes that could be created on the back end. If he could find a way to have Tranquil in there as a nickel linebacker and dime linebacker in these packages, I don't know who your safety is because can Stud still come into that situation and play off the hash? Because if it's Avery Sebastian, he doesn't. Redfield? That's what I'm saying, but it can't be Avery Sebastian, right? He can't. I'd rather have Tranquil in coverage. No. So no. that's why it has to be Stud still. Yeah. Or Jalen Elliott or a fresh. I know we're asking a lot, but Tranquil going forward is good. No doubt. <laughs> Pete, what your thoughts on Tranquil? I mean, I think that you hit the nail on the head, Tim. It's just that it's incumbent upon Brian Van Gorder to make this work because if you play a lot of cover two or some way you play cover one with Drew Tranquil as the guy in the back, like that's that's scheme yourself into failure. If you're going to play more like a cover four scheme where he's got a bunch of help back there and it's a little bit more conservative, then I think you'll be fine. I mean, you'll get he'll get hit sometimes, but this is what that's what happens to safeties in college football right, right. and pro football and high school football. It's just it's a, I, we get a lot of questions on our board when Notre Dame gets a defensive back commit. You know, it's a safety. Well, can he cover? Probably not. I mean, that's not what safeties do a lot of times. It's very difficult to do that against C.J. Sanders running full speed at you. Um, you know, if you're Haha Clinton Dix or. Harrison Smith or yeah. something like that. That's different, but I mean, it's not like Elijah Shoemate was great in coverage. Uh, Zeke Mata was not great in coverage. Slaughter was was good. Yeah, he was good. Um, he just couldn't stay healthy. But man, it's just he came a, in as a corner. It's <laughs> a tough, tough thing to do. And Drew Tranquil was recruited to be in the box safety. Yeah. So especially if you're there. if you're a strong safety, I mean, you're part linebacker. Yeah. You gotta be. You gotta be part linebacker, part. Yeah, corner to some extent, and and Good that's luck with that. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a very very difficult combination. Look, we you know, <laughs> I think he'd be better than Shumate was last year. If Shumate had a solid solid fine and everyday strong safety year last year, he was better. He wasn't getting yeah, but beaten those as are, much. I mean, him and Redfield matched up as as pass coverage yeah, safeties. Right. Wow, that's a that's a that's not a great combination. Yeah. All right. Suj eighty. If you had to pick one player to surprise in fall camp and translate his camp performance into game performance this fall, who would it be? Other than Finky, right? That was good. Yeah. <laughs> so no, this is an interesting question for me because I think it comes out of last year. All of our camp reports talking about 
the guys we saw looking good. You have to be totally honest. It was Nick Wisher, Deshaun Kaiser. One of them worked out. One of them didn't. But th- those were the camp stars last year on offense, right? Yeah. They, they were. It, it was. You have to report what you see. Sometimes you see the backups. Mm-hmm. And Nick Wisher was torching Notre Dame safeties and linebackers, and then Nick Wisher didn't play. However, it was telling. Because Nick Wisher was torching Notre Dame safeties and linebackers in pass coverage. Yeah. And other than Jalen Smith, that played out last year from, yeah. from other teams. I think one to surprise in fall camp, I mean, it's Dexter Williams, actually. I think mm-hmm. that a third running back will be needed out of guys get hurt and dinged up at the positions. It's hard to run when you're dinged up. I mean, look at CJ Procise looked like when he was banged up compared to what he looked like healthy. I think they'll need him, and I think he will answer the bell and be a... Kind of put this in one of my predictions... I think he can like be a featured running back as when they lose one guy as the year goes on. I think they get one two punch in there and then he's good. I just think he's a good runner. Guy, the guy who was like the camp surprise for me last year was Torrey Hunter, which kind of sort of happened yeah. in the fall. Yeah. I mean, he made some huge plays. Um, you know, to make a ton of huge plays, but made some huge plays. You know, so th- this year, I I don't know who the receiver's going to be. But it's probably going to be a couple guys. Uh, I have liked Equimini St. Brown for a long time. And shoot, man, you've got a three-year starting career sitting there just to pick up and run with. So that's who I'll go with. Um, although I think Durham Smythe, I don't know if he could count as a surprise. But if we're seeing him in the 11-on-11 portions of practice being targeted five or six times, then I, I think his prominence within sort of the passing flow could constitute a surprise, and I think that could easily carry over the season, and it would be good if Nor- for Notre Dame if it did. I think Smythe would have been certainly more a surprise pre-Elise Jones sure. news. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that it would be a shock. Now, and maybe I'm kind of looking at this as, as more wishful thinking or hoping that somebody emerges. <laughs> no, no, I'm uh, Miles Boykin's the other one that I'm looking at. That now, I mean, his situation, you know, we mentioned Corey Robinson. I mean, his situation is... With with Robinson retiring and Elise Jones out for the season, I mean, Boykin theoretically moved from fourth yeah. W to second, right? Yep. That's so exactly I mean, what it's happened. a huge it's a huge opportunity for him, and uh, I just Equinemius St. Brown. I just wanna I want to see it in game competition before I believe it. I Pe- guess people will ask because we're gonna talk about Boykin all August, and he'll probably have a good camp from when we're watching. Both Kelly and Dembrock said consistency catching the ball. So yeah. when people wonder why he wouldn't, if he's not right. playing a lot, that's why, I guess. And Boy- Dembrock even went to say that when he had a spiral fracture in his finger and was playing with Ooh, the soft forever, cast, forever about he that. was better catching the ball with that than he was before, which means it's concentration issues. You know, Stafford, obviously, yeah. Stefferson has a jump on the, 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 the competition yeah. among the freshman receivers, and he, I don't know, he'd be a surprise because yeah. he, he had a good spring. Here's the problem with surprises. <laughs> We're doing podcasts about this for nine months. <laughs> We've talked about everybody. Which, by the Way. So Barajas he, is the only he, guy left. Even yeah. if Chris Finke had a great camp, we wouldn't be like, wow, it was a shock. We're all that guy. Which, by the way, we, we, heard, we heard our readers loud and clear regarding not having podcasts for the yeah. summer. But yeah. one of the, there are two reasons why we bypass them. One, we kind of need to recharge our batteries a little bit. And number not, two, travel schedules are mixed up. Yeah, and then number two, everything that we would say in June and July, we said in April and May. I mean, we can't. there's no new news, so you're going over the same stuff. But... We heard what you said, and next summer yes, yeah. we will be yeah. having more podcasts. Our last question, and Priester was in charge of our research department on this. Statman72, when is the last time Notre Dame had this few returning starters 
And what was the team's record? You can guess if you're listening. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't tweeted, I haven't tweeted this out yet, but it's 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 the tailor made for uh, Twitter. Uh, the last time Notre Dame had this few amount of return or starters returning was 2007 when they went three and nine. Yes. They had nine. They had nine starters returning in 2007 on offense. It was. David Grimes, John Carlson, uh, John Sullivan, and Sam Young. And on defense, Trevor Laws, Joe Brockington, Maurice Crum, Terrell Lambert, and Tom Zibikowski. I want to go back to the question about the most positive thing in the Kelly era. I will now say recruiting after what you just read to me. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. And, you know, really, if you look, I mean, who are the, the, the returning starters? Are Kaiser, Holston, or Adams? But I mean, I mean that, but actual returning starters. Oh, not precise. Well, Folston. And you know that's such a returning starter. Yeah, it's such tough. a nebulous. Those thing. guys I mean, are kind of Josh Adams a returning starter? I mean, yeah, he is. Yeah, he started he's to, ran for eight hundred fifty. You know, I, whatever. whatever it is, I'm not going to go through this. Tory but Hunter. it's really okay. And so's you know uh, McGlinchey and, and Nelson. Nelson and Isaac Rochelle. I mean, it's it's around nine. I, I, you know, it's anywhere from six to nine or ten yeah. returning starters. But it's a lot less than 2015. Which is why we said they were going to win double-digit games. They had 17 starters returning, yeah. uh, and then pro- years prior to that, 12, 14. They had four. They only had 14 starters returning in 2012. Yeah, name them though. Those were well. They were yeah. The thing. Well, I mean, there's no <laughs> doubt they were they were great players. 2011, they had 17 starters, which matched the Kelly high of 2015. And we were super high on the team in the yeah, preseason of 11. The biggest disappointing. Yeah. That was the biggest disappointment of the Kelly. Yeah, year we talked talked about that on our message board. So. Um, so yeah, 2007, great. 2007, <laughs> three and nine. Looking Nordane, forward I, to Saturday. I guarantee you, they're not going to go three and nine. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to come back. Talk a little bit recruiting. Notre Dame has picked up four commitments, I think, since our last podcast, uh, and maybe picking up another one tomorrow. So, recruiting segment three. Irish Olson Insider is next. Segment three of Irish Illustrated Insider is our recruiting news, and before we get into Guys that have committed and guys that are about to commit, Pete, I wanted to ask you about the the recent changes in the social media rules in terms of coaches being able to retweet tweets of of prospects. I think I probably think it's a bigger deal in a negative way than you do. I just think it's a pain in the neck for head coaches, but you don't think that it's that. Well, I don't think head coaches actually do it. Well, I re- I, yeah. I know I realize that, but somebody still has to tend to it, and somebody has to make sure that those that's, that are tending to it don't make mistakes on social media, which can happen, obviously. Yeah, it just you, pretty much if you retweet or favorite anything, you're in the clear. I think for assistant coaches, it's second nature. Uh, for head coaches, it's not because they have better things to do. Yeah, uh, But that's why you have all these uh, ops people and interns and student assistants who can run these accounts if you want to it's a it's a boon for the recruiting operations industrial complex to everyone needs to hire a new person to do this great in the same way they had to hire somebody to do graphic arts three years ago well they um, need more they need more people on their support staff because they just don't have enough yeah, these days bare, it's a bare bones operation <laughs> um, so yeah it doesn't change a whole lot no uh, i also would contend that if you're a recruit looking at Notre Dame, how much Brian Kelly retweeted you probably is not going to be the deciding factor there. And I, again, I think it's with the assistant coaches, 
they're on Twitter anyway, direct messaging these kids. So then to retweet something is fine. And I think basically the way Notre Dame would do it, they have someone in the office, they email the coaches or text the coaches, here are the links to the tweets you need to favorite. So then you just click the link and then you click favorite or you click retweet and then you're done. Right. Um, I think that will they'll probably so be it can it. it can be streamlined pretty yeah easily, and it was right? a stupid it's just a, it was a stupid rule not to allow it yeah um I I'm I'm more of a deregulation guy you just let them do whatever they want yeah because um, just trying to enforce it is, is kind of dumb and silly but Notre Dame has picked up four commitments since our last podcast might pick up a fifth tomorrow on Osiris St Brown uh, although I think Stanford is is probably leading heading into that announcement which will actually be Friday night. Um, but Darnell Ewell, Michael Young in the 2017 class, Obi Gufu and Matt Bauer in the 2018 class are both linebackers. Ewell, defensive tackle, Young receiver. Tim, you've certainly watched Ewell and Young. What are your thoughts on those two guys? Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited about the prospects of a future interior defensive line with Kurt, Kurt Hinnish and, uh, and Darnell Ewell as, as your interior guys. I mean, he just... You, all you have to do is look at a picture of Yule, and you, you so mean. Yeah, I mean you 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 you're looking at a big strong kid, and then the the tape upholds that. I mean he's not a he's not a he's not going to be an eight sack guy per se, but he absolutely is going to hold the point of attack uh, between the ends, and and I think he I think he has a chance. You know, just his demeanor, his strength. He's obviously way stronger than most kids his yeah. age right now. I mean, it's kind of off the chart. And, and Michael Young's a guy that I think the more the more I watched him, the more I liked him. I think he's a he's he, obviously he's a slot receiver, and I think he's got a lot of upside. I like him better than Jordan Pouncey among the two receivers that they've re- received verbal commitments from. I think they need there's more work to be done at receiver. Uh, Tariq Black is a guy that they really need to get on the back end of this process. But uh, but I like those two guys and Matthew Bauer again. I think that's a guy that kind of jumps off the page at you and jumps off the film at you. He's got good size and, and uh, um, you know, he, he looks like a heck of a prospect two years down the road. Yeah, and a goofu from uh, Michigan to get a kid from Harrison High School. It's where Khalid Kareem went. Um, you know, credit to Keith Gilmore for keeping that pipeline open. It's it you know, it's kind of interesting. You know, Notre Dame, they got him on campus twice this summer. They didn't do the whole satellite camp thing, um, which is something that was big at Michigan, where Notre Dame has recruited really well the last year, despite the Antonio and Harbaugh. And satellite camps were something big that Penn State did in the last year. And Notre Dame has absolutely murdered Penn State in the state of Pennsylvania over two cycles right now. I mean, that is it's a complete blowout. So I give Notre Dame's recruiting staff a lot of credit. They've been highly organized, highly detailed in getting kids to campus. They stuck to their guns about the satellite camp debate. Um, and I'm not saying satellite camps are right or wrong or they're the same for every school. But Notre Dame made the decision to not do what was right for them, and they absolutely nailed that one. So full credit to Brian Kelly and Mike Elston for that. i tell you what, you mentioned Young and Pouncey. We're talking about how unproven Notre Dame's receivers are. At the end of this next season, you're going to be talking about of the seven guys that all have three or four years of eligibility oh, remaining, yeah. how many of them are proven, and there are going to be. It is going to be. A, it's going to be tough to break into Claypool, McKinley, Stefferson, Boykin, St. Brown, Sanders, and if the X factor is still Corey Holmes because he has a red shirt. Right. Red, that's that's a lot of unproven talent together. Yeah, I mean they're uh, reloading yeah. in a big way uh, at the receiver position, at the tight end position, uh, and ultimately. 
curious how the offensive line goes. Um, certainly a quarterback as well. So they're uh, in a very, very healthy spot on the offensive side of the ball right now. And certainly with linebacker too. I mean, I have three linebacker commits in the 2017 class, two already in the 18 class. I mean, it's not wasn't that long ago that our podcasts were about like, hey, why can't Notre recruit better a linebacker? Yeah. Um, and they're kind of they're kind of crushing it right now. We're going to be back on. Uh, we're back in the uh, podcast mode now. We uh, Notre Dame will the team will go down to Culver uh, Academies on Friday, August fifth, and we will be privy to practice two hours of practice. The first of five full practices like we had last uh, August, which is just great for us. Gives us a great yeah. opportunity to evaluate. So we will be back on. Uh, Monday, what's the date on Monday? August 8th. August 8th, Monday, August 8th with our next podcast. Until then, Tim Priester with Pete Sampson, Tim O'Malley. Oh, and Jack Freeman's here too. Hi. We'll talk to you on Monday. Hi.